Good evening. This is Lama Jigme Gyatso of the Buddha Joy Meditation School. Welcome to Meditate Like a Jedi. My basic format this week seems to be um, a Dharma talk followed by guided meditation. Now I'm going to say, give a quick wave to Mate or Mate, one of the two. I hope I do not murder your name too terribly. This morning I had a dream. I dreamt of a young boy whose father was a Chinese bureaucrat in Chinese occupied Tibet. This is only a dream and in the dream um, the Tibetan children he met deeply, deeply resented um, his father and his father's government's presence in their country. And so they were very cruel to this little boy. This little boy became embittered. He grew up to be a very embittered man, he delighted in administering a petty cruelties to every Tibetan he met whether or not that Tibetan uh, had ever been cruel to him. Like I said, this is just a dream. However, <clears throat> we do live in a society that rewards brainstem behavior, that rewards pettiness and cruelty and meanness and making jokes at other people's expense. Tit for tabs and wounding other people. It has been my experience that no matter how good we might get at petty cruelties, those petty cruelties are a pale analog of the relief that we desire or the cruelties that we have received from others, real or imagined. They, no matter how bad we make someone feel, it really won't go very far to giving us the peace and the joy and the bliss and the love that we hunger so deeply for. But so what? These are just words. And the Buddha does not expect us or did not expect us to just use affirmations or self-control to modify our behavior. He gave us specific meditations to help us to let go of the emotional gurk we feel um, having received the slings and arrows and blows and punches from others. And those are the meditations we shall explore tonight. I'm going to go into it. So for my friends who are listening on the podcast or who are watching on Instagram, this is also being live streamed on YouTube where there will be many, oh gosh, what's it called? Visual aids. They will actually be able to read from the guided meditations uh, text that I'll be using in tonight's live stream. 
So if you're watching this, perhaps in IGTV or on the podcast, <coughs> I recommend go to, getting to the website, my website, finding a YouTube um, icon, getting to my YouTube channel and checking out this uh, live stream there. And of course, downloading the free copy of the guided meditations. Having said that, I'm going to enter a share screen mode. Let's deal with social fulfillment as well as social frustration. I'll turn to page 48 in the text. The Buddha taught mindfulness meditation. He was the bloke what invented it. He taught meditation in terms mindfulness in terms of four bases of of mindfulness. Circumstance and body and feelings and and right tonight let's focus on feelings. From the perspective of Buddhist psychology, feelings would include physical sensations and emotional sensations and intentions, as well as calculations and recollections and even imaginings. Physicists, cosmologists, and the Buddha all teach various forms of interdependence. And while on paper it might make sense that we are affected by other things and we affect other things, sometimes it feels like we have very little control over the world around us. However, we do have the ability to take whatever circumstance befalls us and make it much worse. How do we do that? By allowing ourselves to be slaves to our impulses, to push away pain, to clutch onto the pleasures we already have, and to reach for more pleasures. Now, those three impulses are hardwired into our brainstem. Pretend this is our brainstem and this is our midbrain. So they're hardwired into our brainstem. And the presence of those impulses are neither good nor bad. They are not a spiritual indictment. They're not mean we're bad people or spiritual failures. It means we are complex life forms upon this planet. What separates the Buddhas from everybody else is they've developed mastery at working with those impulses in extremely liberating ways. <coughs> that is what we're going to do tonight. We're going to begin by working with the impulse that says, I want to shove away every, all pain, real or imagined. And so, in the context of feelings, the Buddha devised a, a dichotomy. A dichotomy is our duality, a division in two. And he talked about uh, scorn and praise. 
Now, of course, there is literal scorn and literal praise, but scorn and praise also serve as metaphors for any external source of emotional distress. It's easy to misplace a mala or have mala get broken or lost or stolen or taken. Therefore, I teach people how to count on the creases uh, of their fingers as well as the tips of their fingers. When we go to a gym, we might do three sets of 10 repetitions of an exercise. We're going to meditate also using the paradigm of sets and repetitions. We're going to count sets on our left hand, repetitions on our right hand. So let's begin by touching the tip of our left thumb, or our left little finger, and slide it down until it comes down to the lower set of creases. And that tells us that we are on our first We're going to um, play with this exercise for four repetitions, and we're going to count those four repetitions upon our right little finger. We're going to advance the right thumb during each in-breath, first to the lower set of creases, then to the middle set of creases, then to the higher set of creases, and then to the tip. We are going to play with a rhetorical question. And by definition, a rhetorical question is not one that we wrestle with, striving to answer. No, the power of a rhetorical question is found not in our cleverness trying to answer, but simply in our silent mental recitation of the question during the inhalation and the act of relaxing as best we can during the exhalation. If we do this, as simple and as easy as this sounds, we will make progress upon the path. On the in-breath, we ask the question, how hate scorn? On the out-breath, we silently and mentally recite, relax now. You might say, I'm not sure I know how to relax. Forget about it. We are hardwired to tense up, whether we know it or not, whether we feel it or not, during every inhalation. We are also hardwired to do the opposite and to relax during every exhalation. So by silently and mentally reciting the word relaxing during every exhalation, <coughs> we are simply reminding our bodies and our minds to get out of our own way and use the tools that are essentially, metaphorically, factory installed. The next four breaths, how hate scorn, relaxing. A common concern 
that people voice is they say when doing this exercise, painful memories or fantasies come to mind. Does that make me a failure? No. No, it doesn't. The Buddha never taught that we are to blank out our mind, have no thoughts. Buddha never told us which thoughts to feel, which emotions to feel, which memories to recall. It's our job to actively choose what we think and feel and recall and imagine. No, not at all. Not even a little bit. Rather, <clears throat> our job is to passively notice the vulnerable and acquiescent. We don't label, we don't analyze, we just recite silently and mentally in harmony with our breathing and go merrily along for the ride. This brings us to our second exercise. How could scorn always change? One of the things I love about the original teachings attributed to the Buddha, whether he was real or whether he was purely archetypal, is this. They do not require faith. They do not require a home lobotomy. Every adult has observed impermanence, whether or not we've labeled it as such. Every time we've seen the changing of the season, we've, we have observed the impermanence of the year. Every time we have observed the waxing or waning of the moon, we've seen the impermanence Every time we've seen a sunrise or a sunset, we have observed the impermanence of a day. And right now, we can take our hands, rest them lightly upon our upper chest. As we breathe in, we can feel our chest swell. When our body decides the time is right, we can exhale and feel our chest sink. And as such, viscerally observe the impermanence of a breath, ever-changing. One and all, there is nothing permanent to grasp. You'll notice here, oopsie, we're going to count upon our right ring finger. How could scorn always change? advance to the third exercise. We're going to count our set by touching the tip of our left thumb to the left middle fingers, lower set of creases. We're going to count our repetitions upon our right middle fingers. Now we're going to ask a bizarre question. 
How could Scorn not be me? Why? Why do we ask such a bizarre question? Does the Buddha want us to puzzle with the great pseudo-intellectual metaphysical Rubik's Cube? No, not at all. Not even a little bit. We ask this silly sounding question that we divide halfway between the in-breath and the out-breath. First half we recite during the in-breath, second half we recite silently and mentally during the out-breath. So why? Why do we recite it? Help us cease to identify with the scorn we have received actually in the present, past, or in our imagination. How could scorn not be me? This brings us to the fourth exercise of this set. We know it's the fourth exercise because now we're going to be counting up on our right index finger. And this time, we're going to take a sentence and divide it in half again. On the in-breath, we're going to silently and mentally recite, notice scorn. And on the out-breath, we're going to silently and mentally recite, relaxing. Let's play with this right now. exercises ago, we were contemplating our hatred of scorn. Now we're contemplating merely noticing scorn. This is a taste of the liberation that the Buddha's path offers us. <coughs> Let us continue. Now we move to our second set of four exercises. So we're going to advance our left thumb, our left middle finger, up to the middle set of creases. I'm sure if you can see that. And so we spent four exercises exploring our tendency to push away scorn, both literally and metaphorically. Now we're going to spend an additional four exercises exploring our tendency to push, to pull, or reach uh, for praise, whether it's literal praise or metaphoric praise, any type of a positive social interaction. Now, the Buddha's not saying this is wrong. This is wired into our midbrains. Our midbrains are what make every healthy mammal a by far and in large, a social creature. We are wired to seek the approval and love of and respect of our peers. So Buddha offers us a way to continue doing that, but in a centered and sane and non-neurotic 
manner. And you'll notice that these next four exercises are virtually identical to the exercises that preceded them. The only difference is we've changed one noun in each exercise. That is not due to a lack of imagination. It's done deliberately to make it convenient for you, not only to practice and comprehend, to practice these every morning and every evening within a week or two, a month at the most, you'll find that you have accidentally memorized it. And that's great, because then you can practice in a park, under a tree, while going for a morning walk. It's delightful. <coughs> if you think these exercises are good reading them, they're great when you simply recall them. So let's go forward right now. We're going to count our first set, as usual, upon our right little finger. How grasp praise, and praise can be literal or metaphoric for anything positive, socially positive, or socially pleasurable. How grasp praise, relaxing. Turn to our second exercise of the set. Prepare to count upon our right ring finger. How could praise always change? Ask a particle physicist. Ask a string theorist. They will just wax eloquent about how to go deep enough into reality. Everything is moving. How could praise always change? We advance to the third exercise of the second set. We will be counting upon our right middle finger. How could praise not be me? And once again, we are choosing not to identify with um, pleasurable interpersonal experiences. There's nothing wrong with having them. We just don't want them to define us. How could praise not be me? We now would advance to the fourth exercise of the second set. And we prepare to count these four repetitions upon the four, three creases and tip of our right index finger. Notice praise, relaxing.
We now bring our attention to our left hand and advance our thumb up our left middle finger until it comes to rest upon the higher set of creases. Signaling that now it's time to turn our attention to the third set of four contemplation. Imagine, if you will, a tennis court bisected by a net. On one side of the net, we have painful social interactions. On the other side of the net, we have pleasurable social But the tennis court itself, both sides of the net, the net and the stands, that would be our feelings. And I abbreviate feelings, which is two syllables, down to just feels, not because I'm tragically hip, because I'm trying to exercise an economy of syllables. you are an English teacher watching this or a grammar Nazi, I apologize for whatever stress this may be causing you. <clears throat> Let us count first the, the four repetitions of this first exercise upon our right little finger. How grasp feels relaxing. Feels, once again, refers to our physical sensations, emotional sensations, our intentions, our calculations, our recollections, and our imagining. The coarser functions of our body. I'm sorry, of our mind. ring finger. How could feels always change? And let's see, Miss, uh, oh gosh, this is Emily, Emily Dickinson. I'm going to wave to Emily Dickinson, the world-renowned yoga instructor. Okay, so we have been exploring. Um, we were working through letting go of both positive the negative social interactions. And right now we are exploring how our, our physical sensations and our emotional sensations, as well as our intentions and calculations and recollections and imaginings are always in a state of flux, sometimes coarsely and obviously, sometimes very subtle. We do not have to believe this. All we have to do is play with these words as we melt them upon our ground. Let's count up these four repetitions of this exercise upon the three creases and tip of our right ring finger. On the in-breath, just silently and mentally recite, how could feels? And during the out-breath, let us silently and mentally recite, always change. How could feels? Always change.
This brings us, oopsie, wrong button. This brings us to our third exercise of our third set, which we're going to count upon our right middle finger. How could feels not be me? Play with this exercise so that we no longer identify with our experience. We observe it, we experience it, but it no longer defines us. How could feels not be me? Turn now to the fourth exercise of this third set, which we will count upon our right index finger. Notice feels relaxing. Now we're not lying to ourselves and telling ourselves that our feelings are relaxing. We're just merely intending to physically relax as best we can in harmony with our exhalation. Or our physical relaxation leads our mental release. They go hand in hand together. Notice feels relaxing. This brings us to our fourth set. In preparation for our fourth set, we're going to turn our attention to our left thumb. Slide it up our left middle finger until it comes to rest on the, middle, the tip of the middle finger. <coughs> so if you're gonna flick a paper triangle in elementary school, we call it a football. We've worked pretty hard. We've done a lot of metaphoric heavy lifting with our mind. Now it's time to give our mind a rest. This next exercise is described, has many nicknames. Some would call it Mahamudra, some call it Mahasadi, some call it Sati Pasadi, some call it uh, Treksho, some call it relaxing into the nature of mind. But that sounds a little spooky. So think of it this way. During our in-breath, we are passively and vulnerably watching the play of our mind. But passively, because we're not labeling it, we're not analyzing it. We're simply watching our mind as it perceives sensations and flavors and scents and sights and sounds as well as emotions and intentions and calculations and recollections imagine. It is as if we are but an audience member at the cinema. We are not the cinematographer, the director, the screenwriter, the producer. We cannot control what goes on in the screen. We just sit back and enjoy the ride. We're going to we're going to perform this for 16 breaths, which means we're going to start at the lower crease of our right little finger and continue until we reach the tip of our left, I'm sorry, of our right index finger. 
start right now. Notice this, relaxing. Remember, this is not concentration. This is mindfulness. This is not active. It's passive. It's not guarded and protecting. It's vulnerable. A nickname for radical vulnerability in Tibet can be translated into English as naked awareness. Or I like the phrase Neil Gaiman uses, a feeling as if we're walking down the street. I don't do it literally, you'll wind up in the hoofscattle. Notice this, relaxing. Eyes open, we're not trying to hide from reality. You don't want to put your eyes into the sky, you'll get too hyper. You don't want to point your eyes up towards the earth and get too sedate, maybe fall asleep. Just keep your eyes straight ahead as if gazing at the horizon. Notice this, relaxing. Now let us turn to the final cluster practices. For convenience sake, I'm going to return to the table of contents. And let's turn to page 94. Control G, 94. Whoopsie, whoopsie. I'm pushing the wrong button this here, folks. Well, I've been working with this program close to 20 years. <laughs> and by 20, I mean closer to 30. Closer to 30. <laughs> okay, so in keeping in harmony with our fields, we're going to wish love for all beings everywhere. We're going to start with ourselves. Why? Why do that? Our brainstem is already wired to care about ourselves. Um, so it's easiest for us to wish love for ourselves. We can then harness that momentum and apply it to 
wishing love for all beings, all the beings in our neighborhood and then all beings in our world and then all beings everywhere, real or imagined. So let's start off first exercise. We're going to begin by counting, moving the tip of our left thumb to our left index finger, third set of creases. Whoops, middle set of creases, my mistake. We're going to turn our attention now to our right hand and touch the tip of our thumb. Prepare to touch the tip of our thumb to our right little finger. Love for these feels relaxing. In other words, we are wishing that our emotional faculties and embrace a loving intention for all beings everywhere. <coughs> That's not necessarily an emotion. That is an intention. Or if we select our emotions, it will feed our neurosis. But with the correct verbiage, we can subtly nudge our intentions. Love for these feels relaxing. Of course, this is a reference to one of the four bases of life. count upon our right ring finger. We turn our attention to our neighbors. Who, who are our neighbors? Any living being that we can perceive with any thought of any one of our five senses. Wherever we go, if we perceive beings, those are our neighbors. There are no strangers, just siblings we have yet to meet. Love for neighbors Relaxing. If we only practice love without letting go, it can, can it can, can feed, it can, it can feed our controlling tendencies. If we practice letting go without practicing love, it can make us aloof and self-important. By marrying love and then letting go, we could be, become more healthy, happy, well-adjusted adults. Now to the third exercise of the set, which we will count upon our right middle finger. Love for earthlings, relaxing. All earthlings everywhere whether they walk or crawl or swim or fly, even if they vote the way we don't necessarily want them to vote, even if they get their news from sources we don't like. And while we're on the subject of wishing good things to all beings upon this planet, we might want to consider taking an additional step upon the path of love, seeking and ceasing to murder and exploit living beings so that we can uh, partake their bodies or paying others to do it for us. One of the easiest ways to advance upon the path of love 
is to practice a whole food vegan diet. If you're curious about that, I recommend going over to the YouTube channel known as Mike the Vegan, M-I-C the Vegan. That's a lot of good videos, intelligent and fun. Love for earthlings, relaxing. And by this phrase is a very concise way of saying that we are wishing, we are intending, that all beings everywhere fill with a love for their fellow creatures. Love for earthlings, relaxing. to our fourth and final exercise of the evening, which we will be counting upon our right index finger. Love for all beings, relaxing. All beings, all worlds, of all galaxies, real or imagined. Yes, tap into your inner psyche. Love for all beings, relaxing. going to take a moment to stop sharing the document. If this felt ungainly, then you're right on track. Any new skill is going to be awkward at first. Remember trying to ride a bike the first time? <clears throat> what a trauma that was. If you will follow along with the video, YouTube video of this exercise every morning and every evening, for a week or so. It'll become easier and easier and easier. Of course, you can use the links below the video to download the free materials, all the free materials to your heart's content. The production of these videos and live streams and podcasts and blogs and PDFs and class materials supported by the generosity of viewers and listeners and readers just like you. Or to put it quite simply, in the words of Jasker from the first season of Witcher, toss a coin to your Witcher who value for you. Friends, during this time of fascism and pandemic, I wish you and yours every safety and health. Good evening.